so just to um, give you an update, so as you know, I'm the Data Public Health. Uh, my role is to ensure that uh, everything to do with the pandemic um, is uh, being done uh, in the, under the basis of the national guidance. So uh, for us to actually operate locally, um, we undertake a lot of surveillance of what's happening in the community. And we get a lot of uh, the information uh, uh, that is obviously collated nationally around people being tested and things like that. So where we are, um, so we've just received um, the latest update. So as at um, uh, today, or the, the data is usually over the last uh, seven days that we look at averages, our rate um, had uh, gone up uh, marginally over the last few days. It's now nearly um, 1170 per 100,000 um, cases uh, in, uh, in South End. Uh, so we've seen an increase, but also seen a slight increase in our testing as well. Uh, so again, here, a, a plea to the community, keep getting tested, uh, because if um, you, um, you are uh, asymptomatic and you don't know you're carrying the virus, it's a real opportunity for you to get tested and you know you have the virus and then you can isolate and help us break that um, the, 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 the trend of infection uh, because you know a lot of it is happening because people do not know they're carrying the virus they're not showing any symptoms of the virus um, so um, so I think um, one of the areas that we've got concern currently is the over over eight over 60s uh, so people over 60s the rates are going up um, quite uh, sharply uh, I think today is the first time it's um, gone down um, uh, so it's gone up a bit more than in the last few days so it's almost as at the same level as the old age uh, rate is about a thousand per hundred thousand in in the population. Um, there are many reasons to look at those. I think the most concerning is uh, is the fact that um, the only way we could have had such a a, a spread uh, is most likely to have been a, a high level of mixing uh, during uh, December uh, between uh, generations. If you want, you know, young people and, and families and 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 their older generations. So I think um, the, the reason why tier four and subsequently lockdown has been brought in, uh, especially with the closure of schools, uh, because we knew that um, the challenge we're facing with a new variant uh, that was uh, uh, discovered um, in early December is, is very far, far spreading, uh, is highly likely to be uh, reaching more children than the previous strain, uh, variants we've had um, with this virus. So, um, so that in itself has posed us a challenge. And uh, as you will be aware in South End, uh, I opened testing to all school age children and their families um, around the 12th of December, with a view that we can uh, do a lot more case finding and then people can isolate and prevent us uh, spreading the, uh, the virus. So because we did a lot of testing earlier, we had a higher rate, we, we reached I think uh, over uh, 1300 at one point. Uh, it has dropped down uh, over the uh, the last uh, towards the end of December, and, and now we will start seeing an increase, uh, given that um, the, um, the this variant is uh, is very very virulent. It's moving faster than than it was before. So um, the um, the currently the uh, those who are testing positive of um, testing the proportion of people testing, those who are testing positive make up around um, sixteen to nineteen percent are those who are testing on a daily basis. Uh, so that's quite high in itself. So it's roughly 1.3, uh, 1.4% of the population are currently uh, carrying the virus um, in, uh, in, in South End. Unlike the figure you may have seen, unfortunately, on the, on the echo this morning, um, it's not one in five. Uh, what they meant to say is one in five uh, are testing positive from those who are tested. Not, uh, not in the population, otherwise that would mean that we've got 36,000 people in the population with the virus, that is not true. So I think that was a, a misjudgment or miscall on, 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 the, uh, on the part of the ECHO. And I think they're trying to uh, change that on their, uh, the online version that they've got because they did ask me to uh, make some changes to that. So um, I think this, um, this in itself is a challenge. So I, as you know, the, um, we, we've, um, we've been supporting um, the, uh, the, the, the need to bring a lockdown with a view that school are also going to be closed. Um, so uh, school are open just for people who are deemed to be critical workers. Uh, it's not just what we used to say before key workers, but critical workers are people who are also helping to help man and work in supermarkets, for example. As without those, we can't. Um, uh, people won't be able to go and buy food. So, uh, 
so it's important that um, we uh, we work and we're working very closely with the schools to encourage um, uh, further testing. So as you know, we've it, we're starting to introduce and some of the schools have already introduced uh, the fast testing LFD as we call them, uh, lateral flow device testing, which are fast tests uh, to give you a result within thirty minutes normally. Um, what we um, we are doing is uh, we're going to bring uh, a much wider community testing facility, uh, really to mirror what we're trying to do before by bringing the, um, the, the, the testing site in Hamlet Court Road, uh, by the distribution we made of um, the uh, home testing kits um, in Lee as well. Uh, and we're just doing a few more of those home testing kits uh, in, in Shubury because uh, there, were, uh, there was an area that we didn't cover as much as we could uh, just before Christmas. Uh, then uh, we will shift away from those testing kits and start using the LFD testing process uh, because we're going to be using it mainly to set, help us screen or, or at least what we call case find in the community so people know, uh, you know, well, if I'm testing positive, then I should, uh, should uh, self-isolate and, and then prevent this uh, going to people I love or people who are in the wider community as well. So we have got one site in um, a collaboration with the University of Essex. We are using their uh, university campus site uh, to do those tests currently. So the, the, the site is open every day uh, between 7 and 2.30, 7 a.m. and 2.30 in the afternoon. So I'd encourage people to, to, to use, uh, use those as much as possible. We've just reached an agreement with the Department of Health and Social Care to um, start um, encouraging um, those who are um, um, critical workers already in, in the system to start uh, doing a, a weekly test, uh, if possible, uh, to, with, with the LFDs uh, so that uh, we can reduce the risk of transmission in the community and anywhere where they may be working. Uh, but prior to that, it may well be next week, I will be deploying uh, the, uh, the home testing, PCR tests, we call them, uh, the home testing kits uh, to those um, areas where we've got critical workers uh, so they can have a quick um, turnaround on uh, where they are in terms of their positivity as well. So the more we can test, um, the quicker we'll be able to um, reduce the level of, uh, of the transmission in our community. Uh, alongside that, obviously the good news is um, we are now accelerating the program of uh, immunization. As you are, you'll be aware, the second vaccine, the AstraZeneca Oxford University vaccine, uh, is now um, being distributed uh, across the country. Uh, the distribution of, of it is all very dependent on what, which site is ready to receive those, um, but also which sites are, have already set up their, their, their vaccines um, across um, the different parts. So in Southend currently, we've got um, two um, GP sites who are already vaccinated, uh, vaccinating, and uh, we've got the hospital who's just started vac vaccinating as well. Uh, there are, I think, two other sites that the hospital will be running, uh, sorry, the, the GPs will be running, that are due to open shortly. So just waiting for confirmation of uh, having all the, um, the, the settings, uh, uh, the setup agreed, uh, but also when uh, they will receive their, their next uh, dose of vaccine. And we will have an additional major site that's been discussed currently that will be seen as the wider community testing sorry, wider community uh, vaccination uh, centre. So, uh, so these um, should be completed. So we're hoping in the next two weeks we'll have at least five uh, vaccination or six vac vaccination centres in, um, in Southend. Um, I currently don't have um, the, uh, the detail of how many people have been vaccinated in Southend as such. I know across the whole of Mid and South Essex, we vaccinated over 22,000 people. Uh, to date, uh, so that's quite uh, a, a substantial number. Uh, so it's uh, it's going to go rapidly, and with the second vaccine, which is much much easier to to transport and store, I expect us to be doing vaccination at much more at much more um, uh, rapid pace. Uh, really, um, there are I think for me the the key issues. Um, uh, you know, I could talk about this forever, isn't it? So there's so many things going on. Uh, I'd rather pose there and I'd be happy just uh, take questions uh, from colleagues. Uh, thank you, Roger. Thanks, Krishna. Really um, useful and informative as ever. We've got some questions in the chat, if it's okay to go to those and then we'll come out to the room. We, the first question is from Lisa, who asks, is the new strain likely to affect those children of nursery age as it does school-aged children? Will closure of nurseries be considered? 
Yeah, so as far as we know, um, I currently I've got the rate for those in the age of 0 to 10. What I haven't got is a breakdown of that because there's a lot of detailed information to be able to, to see through to get that. Um, so I am not aware whether uh, it's specifically targeting uh, any of the 0 to 5 if you want. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, there is uh, no indication that um, actually there's, there are no groups uh, in, in the population that is not affected by the new variant. Um, whether there will be closures of nurseries, uh, I think this is um, unlikely to be the case. And the government's view is that um, we should carry on providing that service and make sure it is as COVID secure as possible. Thank you, Krishna. The next comment or question is from Lawrence. With most GP surgeries down to phone consultations only, local pharmacies currently offer a great resource for BP checking high-risk patient groups, diabetic, renal, etc., who might otherwise slip through the cracks. And this could be a commission service which ties in with healthy living pharmacy status. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea, actually. Uh, that's some, something certainly um, we've had some conversation already um, with the local pharmaceutical committee, the LPC. Uh, and I've always been quite keen to bring some more um, uh, healthy living pharmacies in, um, in, in, in South End. I mean, they will tell, that, they will tell you yourself about that. So um, I, I'm quite keen to explore that. We're currently revisiting um, what we're offering uh, in terms of health checks uh, in the system. We actually had a conversation, my colleague to, took a, uh, a conversation to the uh, GP or what we know as the CCG uh, committee, clinical committee, uh, to look at exploring those and we'll be having a further conversation in the next few weeks about this. Very keen to bring those new approaches in. You know, things have changed and it's an opportunity for us to look at new ways of doing things. Brilliant. Thank you, Krishna and Lawrence for that comment. Katie asks, can you clarify if one parent is a critical worker and the other is working from home, should a six-year-old be offered an in-school placement? If the school is unable to offer this place, are they being unreasonable complaining to the parents that they aren't keeping up with Zoom calls? Okay, so the, the guidance is very clear. Uh, you only need one parent to be a critical worker uh, to be able to access schooling. The reason why that is there is because we have it to consider a lot of parents can also be single parents. Uh, so that is really the main, the main issue here for us. I think what is important is a balance between do you need to be taking your child into school because the more you put children together, the higher the risk of um, the virus spreading as well. Uh, so what we would advise, and certainly my advice to public health to anyone who's got children as a kid, as a critical worker, is to consider whether there are other options uh, for for your child to to be uh, looked after, either by somebody who is already at home as a as a, as a partner or. Um, or potentially consider if you can have a, a childcare bubble that could better support you uh, with this so that we don't um, send children to school if they can naturally stay out of school. So that's my view, because the, the, what we are putting in place in terms of home learning or remote learning uh, should help us keep our children uh, education up and going as it is. So having too many children in school is only going to make that more and more difficult for the schools to manage. Thank you, Krishna. We've got two questions relating to testing. Denny asks, where can we go for LFD tests? And Flossie asks, can you please clarify where we can go to get an instant test if we have no symptoms? Yeah, so for all your asymptomatic testing, uh, we will end up with four sites. So I will tell you the first one for definite. So the one at University um, uh, Campus, which is in town opposite the main sensory, so that's, a, that's the first site you can go to, but it's a book site, you've got to book it because what we don't want is having queues outside. Uh, it's very difficult to manage queues, especially in the winter, and I do not want to see my, you know, my residents uh, stand, standing outside in the cold uh, if we can avoid it. So you've got to book it and, and, and use it. Uh, we're opening a second one next Monday. Uh, that is going to be in, um, oh, uh, I'm very good with these things now, let's have a think about it. It's called, I think, St. Aidan's Church in Belfair. So, uh, so that has just been approved just before I came online with you guys. Um, it's going to uh, be operational on Monday. I don't know the time for those. What we'll do is we'll get my colleague uh, Simon to send Roger the detail for the, uh, the timing. But definitely that will be open on Monday. We've got two other signs planned. One in Shrewsbury, which I can't tell you exactly 
uh, which site it will be because there are two sites we are looking at currently so they need to be uh, they need to pass the requirements and there will be potentially we are considering a site at Garens so um, the, the Garens Park you know where the leisure center is so we will have four LFT sites uh, the plan is to have all four of those before the 25th of January thank you Krishna the next question is from Rachel is it possible to get weekly testing kits to places like factories that remain open they're not critical workers, but cannot work from home. Yeah, so well, this is part of the conversation that uh, we were having uh, earlier yesterday. And uh, I, I believe there's a meeting going on uh, as I speak uh, uh, to take on to another meeting next tomorrow. Uh, we are looking at uh, testing um, as many critical workers as we can, but also where we've got areas that are higher risk. Uh, we will consider doing those. Even if we can't use LFDs, we might use, uh, we just receive a delivery of uh, the home testing PCR kit. So if there are areas that people think um, we, we should consider, then please get in touch and let me know so I'm aware that uh, there are areas I should be looking at and considering those. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Krishna. And I can see there's some other comments from Lawrence around a similar topic. So if anyone has suggestions, if they put them in the chat, Simon and, my, Simon and myself will feed them back to Krishna and the team. So thank you. The next question is from Paula. What, what provisions are being put in place for the vaccine to be administered to those who are housebound? I, I think the, the system will be the same. So if you fall into the, the four category groups that uh, are being targeted now, uh, it's going to be very clear how people can, can, can do that. Uh, so GPs uh, will know those who uh, are housebound, as you know, they, they, the GP service is, is part of that, is to support people who are, who are housebound. So they will do what is necessary to, uh, to ensure people are getting vaccinated. So, as you know, people are invited for the vaccine and I'm sure uh, they will be able to communicate uh, their needs and that as much as possible, they will be supported with that. Thank you, Krishna. A, a follow up to that question is, are we aware of any current transport provisions or planning for transport provision for those that can't travel in? No, I am not aware personally, but I think it is probably a question we can take away and ask the, uh, the planning committee for you and come back. The next question is from Liz. Why have people outside of the top four been vaccinated already? Uh, so the only people currently outside the top four groups are health and social care workers and um, there are some other little groups of high-risk people who've had, um, uh, who are currently uh, deemed to be on a, a GP register and, uh, and I've got serious underlying condition, health conditions so it's important that they get vaccinated. Uh, the other thing I have to say is um, we've also asked that um, GPs consider to have a, um, where they're running the, 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 the vaccination program, have a list of people who they can call in the last minute. The reason why I was quite keen to push that is uh, just in case at the end of the day, uh, we've got uh, some vaccine left and uh, they, unfortunately they are not going to be able to be returned into the, uh, the storage. I would rather have a list of people who could be called in the last hour or so, so we don't have any wastage of vaccine. If there are people who don't fall in the four groups and the others I've just described, but they happen to be um, opportunistically somebody, but there are very few of these. I think on average, you can have two or three or four vaccines left at the end that aren't used, uh, or rather the vaccines are used. So that's the only time that uh, it will may go to somebody who has been on the list. Thank you, Krishna. Dean asks, will vaccination centers be by appointment only? That's correct. They will be by appointment only. Uh, as far as I know, is uh, if we don't do that, I think we're going to have uh, a major uh, challenge in terms of queuing people. As if you remember, when I first opened the uh, uh, the testing site um, uh, at the range and the nightmare we had in the first few weeks. So I don't want to, you know, we've got to learn from our lessons. We've got to make sure everything is done through a booking system. Absolutely. Thank you, Krishna. Denny asks, we are a small charity supporting community activity. Where do our staff go for regular LFD? Uh, so if you feel that there's a benefit for you, then those, those sites I've just discussed, so for the, the first one that is operational are the university. So it's a similar sort of response to the one I gave earlier. So we'll get some information out to everybody for that. So I can say to you now that the, the current university site, we can test 500 people a day there. So there's capacity and there will be another 500 people in, um, in, um, in Belfair soon. Thank you. The next question is from Anne. 
She says, my 87-year-old mother in South Ends has heard nothing regarding a vaccination. Her much younger brother in Rayleigh has now had his second, as do people in Rochford and other parts of the country. Why does there seem to be a delay in South End for the most vulnerable? Also, what vaccine can she expect to receive? Uh, so the, it, this is interesting because the, the, the distribution of the vaccine is done as equitably as possible in the system. Uh, so people are only invited on the basis of where the vaccine is going to be delivered in the catchment area of the vaccine. So as I say, there are two, two centres currently. So people within those two, uh, catchment of those two centres will be invited first based on the number of vaccines uh, being sent. So the, um, th there is no simple way to, to do this. So we invite people on the basis of age and risk associated with their underlying health conditions. Uh, based on the number of vaccines that are going to be distributed. So it could well be that, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? So if you've got another sibling somewhere in a different area where they, they are also receiving a, a vaccine, they happen to be on the list and they get theirs and you leave somewhere else you don't. But, you know, eventually everybody will get it. As you've probably heard um, the Prime Minister say earlier, you know, this is now being scaled up uh, because of the new vaccine coming in. So the, the second question is, um, I don't know which vaccine you will get. Um, so whichever vaccine is distributed to that center is the vaccine that will be given out. So whether it's the Pfizer or the AstraZeneca uh, at this stage, it's, uh, you know, I, I would not be able to tell you that because I don't know myself which one is delivered where. Uh, it is not something I'm privy to. I just know that there will be some deliveries at some centers. Excellent, thank you, Krishna. We've got a couple more questions around nurseries. The first one is from Lynn. Do you have the data that justifies why nurseries remain open from a risk perspective seeing schools are closed? And the second one, bear with me while I find it again, I've got lots of questions today, is can nursery workers wear a mask or shield now if that makes them feel more comfortable? Uh so the first one is about uh, looking at the information. So we know that uh, the, the data tells us that, um, as I said, the, there's been a higher proportion of people affected in those age 0 to 10. Uh, so yes, um, ideally, you would think, actually, you know, you need to close everything and, and, and not have any services in place. Uh, that would be very challenging for a lot of critical workers where they, they do need that support. And it may not uh, be easy to find alternative arrangements in place uh, to enable them to go working. As you know, uh, I mean, a lot of the services are already struggling. On average, I know many of the, uh, uh, the public sector services have got up to 20 people, uh, 20, sorry, 20 percent of their workforce currently self-isolating or unwell. So if we don't provide some of those minimal services, it's very, very difficult to actually keep services going as well. So we've got to be realistic what we can do for the community, the wider community as well. Uh, in terms of uh, wearing masks, um, I think it's, um, it's a case by case basis. Uh, I think uh, it's identifying how you do that in, in a way that is actually um, acceptable uh, to, to the group of people you're working with. Uh, I, I know um, there are some places where the nursery nurses do wear face masks. Uh, so I think it's about looking at what, what works and how you make it work for yourself because, you know, children, young children don't quite understand uh, why you suddenly uh, covered your face. Because remember, you know, as, as you're growing, as young children, we all remember being there. Um, the need for um, facial recognition and nonverbal is important uh, for their development. So they, um, for them, suddenly seeing you with a face mask means they can't quite read your face when you're communicating with them. So that can be a challenge in itself. Uh, to be honest with you, wearing face shields doesn't really protect, give you much protection. Um, you know, you, you would have seen um, in, in, uh, the, in the health service, for example, if they're wearing a, a face shield, they are wearing a face mask as well, uh, because it's there to protect their, their eyes uh, more than, than anything else. Um, if you're not wearing a face mask, then the chances are you will still pick up uh, the virus in, 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 um, in, in and around you, really. So, uh, so unless you were... What I've said before in school, for example, if you if you are teaching and you you're keeping social distance, um, you know wearing a, a, a long shield is okay uh, in, in 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 keeping you reasonably safe. But it's uh, it, I don't think that's something that you can really work uh, would work for nurseries because you, your your relationship is much closer, isn't it? So much more difficult to do that. Thank you, Krishna. The next question is from Jacqueline, who asks. 
do you think there are enough vaccination centres for South End residents? If you live in Shubranes, how far would you need to go to be vaccinated? Why can't pharmacies also be vaccination centres? And why aren't more GP surgeries also doing this? So the way the, the centres are organised, they're organised around groups of GPs. Uh, so Shubri will have a centre uh, for that. Um, I can't tell you exactly which one has been agreed, but I know why there are two sites that have been looked at as well. Uh, so they, they, I believe there is going to be one uh, near the airport that's going to open soon. And then there'll be another one opening in Shubri, I believe next week from what I'm, I've heard. But again, it depends on whether they've, get, they've received an agreement on when the vaccine is going to be delivered there. Uh, so there will, be, there will be a center in each of the, uh, the, the four localities as we know them uh, in, in South End uh, very soon. So there should be, everybody should be able to access one locally. Uh, the view about um, the pharmacies is, um, is a national decision as to how they want this uh, to be operating. Um, you know, ideally, I, I would have been keen um, to, to, to have uh, our local pharmacies doing it. It's the issue is about distribution of those vaccines. The more sites you have, the more difficult it becomes logistically to de deliver vaccines. That's why we're going to have four centres led by the GPs, the hospital as a centre and the one other main big centre that's going to be open soon as well. So we should, as I said, have those six centres up and running very, very soon. Thank you, Krishna. Um, and for everyone in the in the meeting, Emma has put some information around testing sites in Southend in the chat with a link to the website as well, if you wanted to follow that for some more information. Thanks, Emma. Um, Krishna, just as a heads up, we've got about 18 more questions. Wow. Okay. Busy evening for you. I think they were saved up over the past couple of weeks. Should I go and get my rum and coke now then? <laughs> um, the next question is from Dee, which is, my wife is an HCA at a local hospital and has not been offered vaccination as yet. Surely this group of workers should be prioritised. Yeah, I think the, the, the health and social care workers are being prioritised. Um, again, it's, um, it's the balance between um, making sure we target as many in the in the vulnerable groups as we can uh, yes it's, it's they are high risk group not vulnerable group but high risk group uh, and um, I think what the the hospitals have been asked to do is uh, to determine who are the highest risk first uh, in terms of the workforce and they will get it and then gradually all, all the others will fall into that category so eventually people will get it or healthcare workers will get it as well. Thank you Krishna. The next couple of questions are around um, enforcement of, of the guidelines. The first one from Jacqueline is, how will the council enforce the mask wearing rule in shops since it is currently being regularly flouted? And then the second question from Bob says, with the closure of seafront car parks, would it make more sense to close all seafront parking as in the previous lockdown to help with social distancing and therefore stop crowds forming? Yeah, so, so the first one in terms of uh, uh, face mask, uh, I was really pleased to hear the, um, the, the chief of police in, in London making it quite explicit that they will now uh, start enforcing more of the face mask. Uh, so I think some of you, I can see some of the faces who've been here when I've talked about some of those. And if you were listening to what uh, myself and my counterpart in Essex were saying on the radio yesterday, and um, we, um, we actually had real concern about the supermarkets. I think some of you know about my views about this. Um, so, um, so some of those have been, uh, we've been very clear about the risk assessment and reducing the num number of people in, uh, in their shops. Uh, we have tomorrow a, a, a compliance and enforcement uh, meeting, which is going to be led by Essex Police. Uh, I've met with my colleague and discussed uh, what they're going to take to that meeting for me tomorrow. Uh, we are expecting uh, that um, that the the enforcement is going to be more stringent. I think uh, the view uh, that we've held so far has been one of give people the opportunity to adapt to this. But let's be honest, my view as data public health is we've been through this for 10 months or plus now, about 12 months almost. If you think about it, it started in January really. Uh, so. I think uh, I will be expecting that uh, there will be more challenges on those because let's be honest, and I'm going to say this again, uh, unless um, you, you really have a medical certification for, for why you can't wear a face mask, you should be wearing one. 
and I'm going to use the word, uh, the, the, the quote I've used before, it's 99.9% .9 of the population should be wearing a face mask. Even if you think you shouldn't be, the likelihood is, I've heard people, for example, I've challenged people myself, um, I've challenged homework, uh, shop workers, where I've actually asked them, um, so why are you wearing it? They say, well, oh, I, I'm exempt. So when I told them who I was and asked them to explain it, well, surprisingly, before I've left, they've actually got a mask on. So it's, it is about that. And, uh, and we are hoping the police are going to certainly in Essex um, start to uh, push more of that. You know, we've been trying to do the education as much as possible and, you know, explain to people why it's required. Now it's time to do some enforcement because otherwise we're not going to benefit from this lockdown. That's the lesson I, I certainly would say we've learned from the second lockdown. Thank you, Krishna. The next question is from Anne. Oh, sorry, I, can't, I didn't. Did I answer the question about the car park? I didn't, did I? Oh no, sorry. Yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, so yeah, so we we are keeping an eye on on the uh, the approach. So the policy approach had been to close some of the car parks and see the uh, the impact this will have. So I actually I'm part of the um, the monitoring team because I go for walks in the morning. So I, I cover this area in, in Lee and, and Chalkwell in the morning. Uh, so this uh, so far this is seems to be working. So we are in the um, the seventh or eighth day now uh, of having introduced this, and we will keep a watching brief on this on a weekly basis. Thanks, Krishna. There is a kind of counter comment um, to that point from Rod, who says, has Krishna and his team influenced the closure of seafront parking? If so, why, as too many people are losing out on pleasure of the seafront? Yeah, so so I think if you uh, read the guidance, it's very clear. You should try and um, only uh, take uh, exercise uh, within your community during lockdown. What lockdown is about is to reduce um, the, uh, the, the need uh, to have to control crowds. Uh, and uh, it's also unfair that uh, the local population, and I'm talking, you know, uh, you know within your vicinity, vicinity is okay. Um, and I'm talking to my colleagues, uh, I had conversation with colleagues uh, in Bournemouth and in Hertfordshire about um, how they enforce access to their open spaces. Uh, and they are very clear, you know, you say, well, it's no different to you going to the uh, uh, to the recycling centre, you know, you've got to produce your licence to show that you, you are a resident locally uh, to, to, to have access to it. So unfortunately, we are in a difficult place. We are, we've got a really high rates in South End. So I would want um, to ensure that um, the, the beach and other open spaces are first and foremost for the people who live locally uh, to be able to use them. Uh, others will have to wait until we come out of lockdown. Thank you, Krishna. The next question is from Anne relating to GPs. Are there any plans for GPs to start a more sophisticated system to provide even a phone con consultation? My surgery is a ring at 8am and repeat for as many days as necessary. I did a week before any success. The alternative they suggest is to go to A&E, which is scandalous. For example, can they not bring in a triage system on the phone to offer the limited appointments to the most urgent rather than continue with the same failing system? Oh, absolutely. I, 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 sorry, who said that? Anne, is it? Um, I have to say, I, I am one of them. I believe that um, uh, GPs uh, should be providing uh, phone consultation. Uh, I haven't seen a GP in three days. I'm somebody who is on actual warfarin um, and I need to see a GP regularly. Uh, I, I do expect um, to, uh, to phone the GP and, and get a call. Uh, back or whatever they want to use, whatever system. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, it's, it is something that, uh, you know, should be a norm. Uh, it is a norm in many practices. So I used to live in, in Chelmsford before I moved here uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and, and a lot of the practices there, they would rather have a phone call than actually um, book, book, a, book, a, uh, book you in into the, into the surgery. So I think the sooner this uh, moves ahead, the better. Um, I've, um, now that I live locally, you'll be pleased to know that as a local user, I'm going to be pushing for this personally. Um, and I, I think it's um, we, there's, we've learned a lot, all of us, haven't we? I mean, the way we work, the way we are engaging with each other um, is all using uh, technology. So I cannot see why we shouldn't be doing that. Totally support that. Thank you, Krishna. The next question is, will it be our own GP surgery that will contact us about vaccination? Uh, so there are two, two, um, two means of, of contacts currently. Uh, so there are two ways of, of, of uh, the, the, uh, the vaccination program be delivered. One is through the GP group. 
and the second one is through the uh, the hospital group or when they will open the larger center. So these will be managed directly through a system uh, that um, the NHS um, is called the, the system NHS will uh, will in, do the invitation for those. Uh, for the others, uh, I think in uh, in some places uh, the GPs um, would be doing that as part of a group. So so you might happen to be part of the primary care network. Uh, so in, in South End, we've got five of those primary care networks, and each of them have got a group of GPs in it. So, for example, the GPs in Lee and, and all that are in a group. Um, and that, the likelihood is you will get it from, from, from them because the system are interlinked. So they're able to, uh, to agree the list and invite people directly. Thank you, Krishna. The next question is from Amy. As supported accommodation, we have been advised to still move people in and out of our accommodation, which is shared facilities. It is a huge worry for me for many reasons, but should I worry about coronavirus remaining on a person's belongings and then potentially spreading? It's, um, so it's all about how best you manage everything you're doing. You know, so if you um, if you are actually moving people around and you're around people, you've got to make sure that you're wearing the minimal protection you can wear. And um, the thing is, the virus and the thing, what we don't know enough. Uh, we know quite a bit about the virus when we knew before the new variants came in, but with a new variant coming in, uh, we don't know. You know, is this a variant that's going to stay on surfaces longer than others? Um, is it why is it is this why it's spreading faster? Is it spreading faster because it's become more intelligent? So you know some of these things um, we are we are still looking at and we're hoping to have some more answers on some of these issues. I think it's um, what is important is you know if you, whatever you're doing, just remember those uh, uh, those principles we put in place about um, you know the the hand face and space. You know if you're going to be touching things and working, just make sure you're washing your hands. If you can wear gloves, wear gloves. Uh, if you can wear a mask, wear a mask. Um, you know, I go walking, I, I go in town, you know, I go in town, but I go on the road here down in Lee. Um, sometimes I actually have to wear a mask on the road because people are too close on the road with each other. So it's, it's all about what you're doing and assessing for yourself what risk you're taking. Uh, but I would say is, you know, if you're working with people, make sure you wear gloves and, 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 and mask if you can. Uh, and, and don't forget to wash your hands. Most importantly, don't if you forget to wash your hands, you're making the mistake. Thank you, Krishna. Then the next question goes back to, we were talking about guidance um, and enforcing that. The question is, why have the police not been taking action against groups of people flouting the guidance on the seafront? Groups gather near the Camellia Hotel and other venues that are serving alcohol. So funny enough, I've just had a meeting about this earlier and I was shown some pictures um, that the police took. Uh, so, uh, so as you know now, um, serving alcohol is um, not uh, going to be allowed uh, under lockdown. So, uh, hopefully, if anybody is doing that, they're breaking the law, and we will be taking serious action against them. Uh, the challenge we've got is these groups are sitting in small groups, and they're socially distancing. Uh, so, every time uh, the police have been round or our officers have been round and taken pictures, um, there's nothing we can enforce. People must be in groups of six or less, as you know, but none of those were. And I've seen some of the pictures myself. You've got people sitting in groups of threes here, a bit further there, fours. And so either they're doing that because they know there is, um, there is some, um, someone checking on it. Um, it's, it's very difficult to enforce if people, are, we don't find anything that we can actually enforce. But the alcohol issue, hopefully, I'm hoping, is going to take this out. This is something we're very keen to stop, is the sale of alcohol. Uh, take away alcohol. I mean, whoever's idea was, but uh, you know. Thank you. The next question is from Paula. We are hearing from care homes that some GPs are advising them that residents who lack capacity and where there is no one with lasting power of attorney to consent to the vaccine need to have a best interest decision made or completed prior to the vaccine being administered. This is incorrect advice as it is the person, healthcare professional, who is administering the medication that makes the final decision. This is causing confusion, confusion and could possibly cause delays. I'm sure GPs have already been given the guidance, but could this plea be reaffirmed to them through the appropriate channels? Yeah, thank you. I, I will take this back. I wasn't aware they were doing that. So I did just need to check why this has come up as an issue. So if you can make a note for me, Simon, let me know. I'll pick it up. Thank you. 
Thank you for that, Paula. Emma has put in the chat some information that EPA have provided, some FAQs, if anyone wanted um, some more information around that, there's a link in the chat. Thank That's you for to do with the transport, isn't it? Uh, there's yeah. an answer here. So excellent. Thanks, Emma. Um, Mike says, I am confused now. You say that early years have been allowed to go back due to the issues with childcare for key workers only. Are you saying that it isn't actually safe for children to return to nurseries? If you aren't a key worker, would you suggest to not send your children back? Uh, I think uh, there are two issues here. You need to uh, consider what, you know, children in, in these settings, we know children are not sick, really, they're not significantly affected at all by the virus. Um, why, you know, I'm sure in, in, in the near future, we're going to find out why children are not so affected by the virus. Uh, I think for me, it's, it's, not, it's not safe. What it is, the risk is the spread of the virus. The spread of the virus to people who are going to be more vulnerable. And that is my concern. Hence, I was trying to explain earlier, we've had a, um, quite a large proportion of, of young people uh, who may have been visiting their grandparents and other generations during, during, during the December period, which led to a higher increase. So I want to try and get to a place where we reduce that risk. Uh, so that I would say is it is not an issue about not sending your kids because if the nursery is open and you want to use it, then I think uh, you should use it. But you need to consider is that a risk if you're not a critical worker and uh, you feel actually I've got somebody near me or in my bubble that is a bit of a risk, then it is a choice that you have to make. You know, maybe you might decide it's best for me maybe not to send them to the nursery because I can look after them myself. So I think it is a personal choice, but that's my advice is look at what is the best thing for you to do. Thank you, Krishna. Jacqueline asks, I would love to get vaccinated, but I'm only 62 years old. Realistically, when will my turn come? <laughs> I would like to get vaccinated as well, because uh, I think everybody worries that if I go off sick, there'll be a problem. <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I, I realistically, it all depends on, on the, the, uh, the distribution and production of the vaccine. You know, we are talking about billions of people being vaccinated in the world now, you know, so, uh, so that's going to be a, a big challenge. But I mean, the government have pushed today that uh, by, uh, by mid-February that everybody over the age of 70 or those at risk, uh, uh, higher risk uh, on, on the GP health registers should receive the vaccine as well. Um, how soon, I don't know, but I will predicate, but again, don't quote me on it. Uh, I would like to think, personally as I probably can, I like to think that by the time we get to the end of May, everybody will have had a vaccine uh, and that's certainly what I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. So I think the government's view about when lockdown can be released is going to be highly dependent on whether we've vaccinated enough people at risk uh, to protect them, you know, so that, that is the important thing. Keep fit is what I'm going to say, keep fit. Thank you, Krishna. The next question from Rachel is, are parks and playgrounds staying open? Yes, they are, Rachel. That was a nice, easy one. Yeah, yeah. That, that one I had to read three times, I think. As we remember, we, we tried to close them, didn't we? We closed them in the first lockdown. Uh, but there's no need for that. There's no evidence that uh, they are risk. The, the parks become a risk when there are too many, many people crowding it. And this is where people need to take personal responsibility as well. Thank you. The next question is from Lynn, and I apologise because I, I may have lost which original question this refers to, but Lynn says, I thought it was one other person now, not groups of six. So I presume this is in terms of who can meet. Yeah, so you should only be seeing one other person uh, outside of your household, but if you are standing outside and socially distancing, it's very difficult to actually enforce and make a difference between who is actually with whom. So it's impossible, it's a waste of time to try and do it. So what we try to look for is people are socially distancing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's much more difficult to do anything else. And I do not want to waste police time. I've got, I would rather they go and as you, you guys are asking, let's go and enforce the issue about people not wearing face, face masks in shops. Thank you, Krishna. The next question is from Lisa, who is clearly thinking about dinner. Her question is, could I please ask about the safety of consuming food from takeaway services, please? If say, for instance, a worker is COVID positive, asymptomatic, and was to pass on the virus onto food, could you contract the virus by consuming the food? I don't understand how there is no risk if you could possibly ingest COVID particles. 
Yeah, thanks, Lisa. Um, so now you've made me hungry, Lisa. Uh, I've just realized I've not had dinner either. Uh, so, so as far as we know, there has been no evidence that at all that um, the virus had trans been transmitted through food. Otherwise, we would not have allowed things like takeaway to open. Uh, so I think um, it's, uh, it's important to remember that if that was the case, it, it would be likely that we'll be very quickly onto that to say, actually, we shouldn't be doing that. Uh, I, th I think at the day is um, we, we don't know. It's likely that because food is being cooked at a certain temperature and that we know the virus doesn't survive and doesn't like to, 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 to stay where it's too warm anyway. Uh, so it's um, it, that is could could be the likelihood, but as far as I know, there has been no known case whatsoever related to food. So it's safe. Thank you, Krishna. The next question from Dean is: Golf courses are closed, and angling has just been approved in a government U-turn as a sport the public can participate in. Can SBC apply any pressure on the government to allow golf to be played, given that it is much safer than going to the supermarket? <laughs> I think it do like uh, golfing then. Um, so I think the only reason that angling uh, has been included is because it's least likely to be a group activity. Uh, whereas, um, uh, unfortunately, with golf, uh, a number of times we've had issues where we've had uh, people going in groups. Um, and, uh, and a number of times it's been reported to us that people are not uh, socially distancing. And I've actually had pictures uh, in, in South End of people uh, going to golf courses and not uh, socially distancing. So it, I think it is it's one of those things it's difficult uh, to, to put in place. I was um, um, a bit into mind about it myself initially about whether I should be lobbying for, for um, outdoor tennis and, um, and golf not to be included in there. The other one I did consider as well is um, uh, horse riding. But I think um, some of the evidence that has been provided to us in terms of the outbreaks that have happened uh, has made it um, important for the government to do that. And I, I don't think I've seen anything about angling in terms of outbreaks, so I would not be surprised if the government have any choice to change that. Thank you, Krishna. The next question is from Katie. What are your thoughts on restrictions being needed in the future, like next winter? Uh, restrictions? Yes. So I think it all depends where we're going to be uh, in, in, a, in a few months' time. So I, I would like to think um, that we can start winding down the, the pandemic response uh, by the time we get to the end of summer. Uh, but that obviously all depends on, um, on, on what is happening, because as you know, the, 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 the viruses uh, will carry on mutating. That's their ability. They are very adaptable. Uh, things that will they will mutate into different ways. So, uh, my view is we have got to think about. I was reading an article last night, and somebody said um, was 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 saying that um, actually it's interesting that the level of uh, flu has not circulated as much. Uh, well, we we think the likelihood is because there's been a lot of social distancing uh, and people wearing face coverings, so that's reduced the um, the the the, the flu of um, of uh, the, the spread of the flu. I think my view is, I think the way we live is going to change. Uh, whether you will see me going into any areas that are um, densely populated in the future without a mask is, especially in the winter, I probably wouldn't. Now that I've got used to using it like hoodies, I'll probably use it just to protect myself from the flu, for example. Mm -hmm. So, so that, I think we are going to see changes in our lives and we, we are going to choose the changes ourselves. Brilliant, thank you. We've got a comment from Rod, and then I'm going to come to you, Robert, for your question. You've been waiting very patiently. Rod's comment is, if Krishna advocates that people take responsibility for social distancing in parks, why not apply the same logic to car parks? Keep the car parks open, please, and apply penalties to those who break the rules. Do not punish everyone for the break of the few. So, so what is important here is crowding. It's not. Uh, it's crowding on the car park, on the seafront, and the promenade, uh, because most people now don't really go on the beach uh, because it's you know it's not the weather for going on the beach. You know, uh, it's uh, the uh, the path along the seafront are getting very very congested, um, and uh, you know I've seen many many uh, pictures, and I myself gone to visit a few of the sites a number of times. Uh, so what uh, we are keen to do is um, allow uh, some flexibility to the car parks being used by locals. 
so we are going to be looking at the potential that uh, we will be doing a like they've done in Hertfordshire and, and, and Bournemouth is for people who are living in South End who are having to using the car to to go to the beach is look at how we best manage that in terms of checking for for people's ID and things like that because the, the problem with this is that once you you open it you'll have more people coming on, on the seafront remember we have a population of 185,000 people almost in South End so if you get uh, you know even five um, percent of the population wanting to use the the seafront it's going to get busy if you go to let other people outside South End coming in it's going to get even more difficult and as you know this virus is spreading very quickly and I had to take action that is uh, proportionate uh, based on what has worked elsewhere. Thank you, Krishna. Robert, I'm going to come to you now for your question, if that's okay. Okay. Do you hear me? We can hear you, yep. I've got a couple of questions. I went to a meeting today, um, Project 49 in Alexander Street, at not far from Sabs. Yeah. How long do you think this virus is going to go on for? Uh, I don't know, Robert. I'll be honest with you. If I had a magic ball, I'd like it to stop now. Uh, I'll be honest with you. After 12 months, I, I want a rest. <laughs> I, I want a rest from it. No, the truth is we don't know. We don't know. And also on Saturday, um, Krishna, uh, the seafront, when I went out with my carer, was absolute packed. There was no one aboarding the rules, no masks whatsoever. Yeah, this, this is the challenge uh, with, with this, is this is why, unfortunately, we need to take action uh, that is uh, deemed to be proportionate from us to do that. Um, as much as I hate to have to close uh, places um, that are public, uh, I need to think about people in South End first. Uh, you know, they, as I say, my view is they should be the first people to have access to those sites because they live locally. Um, but um, I'm hoping also local people would take responsibility and consider if it's busy, think about trying to keep your social distancing if you can't. And this virus, especially the new variant, you must think about the two meters, the one meter is not good enough. If you're thinking about it's too busy, then please wear, wear a face covering because yes. it's, it's, it's protecting yourself more than anything else. And going back to your question for London South and Airport, yes, they are. They've set up a little wear hut there. Okay, that's good. Thanks, Robert. You're welcome. Thank right, you now I'm going to have my dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the Bye. question. Bye, Robert. Krishna, we've just got one more question that I can see in the chat from Mike. So from today, the case rate per 100,000 is 1,175 in our area, of which 1,002 are over 60 years old. Do you know why so many people over this age are infected? I understand why it might affect people worse over a certain age, but are they more susceptible to the virus? Yeah, so what I was trying to explain earlier is, um, so if I tell you a bit more about this. Uh, so at the end of the first lock, the second lockdown in November, I noticed that uh, we were getting more cases. So we work very closely with all our schools. Um, we were getting more um, single cases um, in, in a number of primary schools. Uh, so I was, it was just before the announcement that we discovered a new variant. I was questioning this because we obviously we've got a lot of surveillance information that we are analytical work we're doing in the background. Um, I was actually question this, but also I could see um, some parallel between the increase in the younger age and also the increase with the over 60s. Uh, other than the potential that maybe a lot of over 60 people were not um, uh, taking precaution to go shopping, but I couldn't see a lot of evidence of that. Uh, actually, we did a lot of visits in a lot of supermarkets because we were trying to take uh, uh, try to work with them in terms of revisiting what they were doing with their risk assessments. Um, I was thinking, well, I couldn't think many other ways. Uh, so I, I believe because uh, uh, South End has got a lot of intergenerational families, uh, the, the, the noise in the system has been that a lot of younger people don't have it because the data was not suggesting they have, they are carrying the virus. There have been a lot of mixing between those generations during December. And that mixing has led to a significant increase. So once it starts, you start mixing those groups and start uh, meeting with each other 
as well. And before you know it, uh, it's spread, it spread very quickly. Uh, currently, uh, if you look at all our rates, uh, so if I can tell you now uh, in terms of age group, I've got, um, I've got the latest figures here. Let me just get to that sheet. Um, you will see how uh, evenly, quite evenly spread, but uh, so South End. So the data is always about um, three, four days behind. So I'll give you the position as at, um, just look at that date, the 3rd of uh, January. Um, let me check out saying the right one here. I'm not giving you a thorough or something. Yeah. So as at these, the, the 3rd of January, um, we, I've got two more days data, but it's not up to date because I'm still waiting for some to come in. The rate in those between 0 and 10 is 656. Those between 11 and 18 is 990. Uh, those uh, between the age of 23 and 49 is 1600. And, um, and those um, in the age groups after that, uh, you start getting into the 1500 and 1300. And those um, in the age group of uh, uh, 60 and over is, um, is about 820 here. That's likely to go up slightly, but I'm hoping that age group is going to start going down rather than go up. Um, but I don't expect this to be um, coming down very soon because I believe during the Christmas period uh, there would have been some more mixing. So I'm expecting the fallout from that up to 14 days um, from the 27th. Uh, so when we get to roughly around the 11th, I'm hoping we're going to see a reduction in the over 60s. Uh, but this is my message and I, I you know, I'm, I'm putting that message out everywhere. I've been on the radio yesterday, I've spoken to the ECHO, I did um, the BBC Look East yesterday. Uh, the message is very clear, you've got to avoid mixing right now. Uh, this is the only way we're going to begin down because the more you mix, the more it's going to get into the, the higher age group, the more likely it's going to reach people who are more vulnerable. Thank you, Krishna. And just within Mike's question, I was wondering if we could just clarify something. Mike mentions that there's 1,175 per 100,000 as a total number, yeah. and then goes on to say of which 1,002 are over 60 years old. They're yeah. quite separate numbers, aren't they? The one they are separate numbers, yeah. So the, the one, 1,175 is all the age groups together. Uh, but if you just take that over 60 age group, then it's over 1,000. Um, but um, obviously, what I'm hoping to see is uh, the, this figure you've just quoted here is from the uh, the first of uh, of January, because that's the latest uh, reliable data. So what I've just given you is two days more after that, but it's, there, there might be some tests uh, still to come in, test results still to come in. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it is very high. Um, I mean, it's um, for me, it's um, for the time being scary high. I'm hoping that uh, having seen some of the uh, hospital admission data that it is currently not reflecting that, that, that rate uh, in, in South End. So that probably means that those who have been infected are not currently falling seriously ill or ill enough to need hospitalization. But we've got to prevent any further spread because it will reach people who are clinically vulnerable. Thank you, Krishna. We've got one final, final question, I promise. Um, before we go to that question, if I could direct everyone to the chat, Simon's put in some information around the South End Coronavirus Helpline with some useful information there. And I've also put in there a link to a sign-up form where you can receive regular updates from the Council on Public Health team around the coronavirus. We send out weekly updates via that. And the final question, Krishna, is... Will there be any provision for those with the business still open along the seafront legitimately to allow for customer parking? I think what we will do is, as I said, we get to review this uh, regularly. So I, I obviously sit on, on the gold uh, command, which is part of the, um, the senior management team. Uh, so we, we have agreed we get to review this on a regular basis. And so gold meet every, uh, at least every, uh, twice every week. Uh, so it's um, we've got to see what the impact of what's happening currently and how we can work through that. Um, obviously, the challenge you you know is uh, social media can very quickly fuel fire to what we want to do. We might decide we want to open it a limited amount of this, uh, and then you will have people. I, I've actually seen uh, somebody um, send me social media 
uh, correspondence that people say, oh, look, there are some car park here. They're not taking action on another car park. Before you know it, within two or three days, they were full. Um, so, so that's the challenge we're going to face. If we start opening a, a bit of it, people will say, oh, well, you know, you can go to South and oh, by the way, you can go and park there. And then, uh, then there will be a big challenge. So unfortunately, it's, uh, it's difficult to manage as much as I want to try and keep things up and running. Uh, it's, um, it's, it is a risk we will take. Uh, we're now taking a position, we are seeing um, uh, a better compliance uh, to what we put in place, uh, but we will see how that uh, can be improved as we go along. That's excellent. Thank you, Krishna. We've also had some other comments in the chat, which I'm sure you've seen, just thanking you for your time this evening, which I will definitely echo. You're probably thank you, you, Roger, for organizing it in the first place. I'm happy to come and, and be here, as long as people don't ask me too many difficult questions. I think you've done fantastic this evening. We, we should start awarding points, I think, as well, and see if we can break records. If somebody can make me dinner as well, I'd be more than happy to come later. So, no, thank you, everyone, for your contribution. But again, um, you know, everything you, you, you bring here gives me an opportunity to, to sort of take back and start using those. Uh, that's what I do uh, most of the time. And uh, I've got, sometimes I get comments, oh, how do you know this? I actually have to go back and say, these are the things I've seen in the chat and I can send them to you. Uh, that is what people are saying in the community. So it's good, but you know, you have to keep coming and uh, coming forward with those. Uh, and again, uh, if you, as um, Simon have said, if you need help as well, please use the helpline. It's there for you to help to, to, to use. Thank you. Uh, and thanks. Uh, good evening. Thank you to Simon and Emma for their support as well. And everybody have a lovely evening. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.